I think that a lot of the mental health issues that men have is because we're trying to suppress how we truly feel. Like there's a fear that if you want to cry, cry, but we don't. So we hold it in. I think if you hold anything in, eventually it manifests itself in a way that we don't want it to. And it builds, it builds. Welcome to the Mindful Paths podcast with Nick Day and Harry Kalimnios, where we explore the fascinating worlds of mindset, mindfulness, fitness, well-being, vitality, leadership, and personal development. Our goal is to provide you with the insights to help you live a more fulfilling, happier, and healthier life. If you're striving to be a better parent, friend, leader, colleague, or boss, or if you simply want to be more mindful and aware of the world around you, then this Mindful Past podcast is for you. We invite you all to eavesdrop on our conversations and we challenge you to discover a new insight to help you on your own journey towards personal growth and positive change. So sit back, relax, and let's begin our journey together on the Mindful Paths podcast. Harry, how are you doing? Good to see you, um, buddy. I'm doing well, Nick. Thank you. I'm, uh, as you are, in a hotel room. Uh, I'm uh, in Lesbos, a Greek island here. So, how is sunny Greece? You've... Yeah, it's, it's nice. I'm, I'm getting a bit of colour, which is good. And I'm doing a week here, which is, uh, I think you, you might quite like this sort of activity holiday. I don't know if you would or you wouldn't, but it's it's like a hotel where... All of the activities are included. So they have like sailing, windsurfing, uh, kayaking, stand-up paddleboarding, road cycling, mountain biking, tennis. So what have you been doing? How long have you been there for? So I've, been there, I've been there since Wednesday. So this is, I guess, day five. And what activities have you done so far from the list you've just given? Uh, I tried my hand at sailing. Didn't really take to it that much. I've done a bit of windsurfing, which I might give another go tomorrow. Bit of kayaking. A uh, bit of paddle tennis, which I do enjoy. That's quite nice. I've never played that before a bit of tennis and then road biking and mountain biking but um and it's interesting with the the, the, the biking and and i know i texted you the other day after we did our cycle and uh i was mentioning this to some guys so i did we did i think about 40k was our cycle and um, we did it in about two hours and it was you know there was a fair hill and up and down and i i started 10 minutes after everyone else so i had to chase the, the other three people so I was by myself for a lot of it. So I was like, oh, I've got this hill to do. Um, and then obviously I texted you and said, oh, we've just done this. Uh, it was probably my first real ride since 2017 when we did our, when I last, well, I can't remember what, what the trip was we did in 2017. Where was that? Uh, Basel, Luxembourg, was that one? Barcelona, mm-hmm. Bordeaux? Maybe it was the Basel, Bordeaux one. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I think it was the one where we had two nights somewhere. Yeah, that, that was, that was, that was, uh, but yeah, that was um, Bordeaux to Barcelona. No, Bordeaux to Barcelona. It couldn't have been to Barcelona. That would be way too far. Bordeaux, Bordeaux. No, it was, uh, Bordeaux to uh, Spain, wasn't it? Bilbao. Bilbao. Yeah, Bordeaux, Bordeaux to Bilbao. And um, that was the last time I did a proper ride other than like a little jaunt here and there. And it was tough. And, and then I texted you and I was like, oh, yeah, we did this ride. And you're like, oh, you know, we were talking about your Ironman half yeah. last time and you haven't done any training. You haven't been on a bike for like eight months or whatever. And then you're like, yeah, I did this, which is really well done, by the way, for the, those listening. Uh, Nick did really well. I'm sure he'll tell us about it in a second. And and you're like, oh, yeah, you've done your ride. <laughs> 90K in two and a half hours, which is only about half an hour longer than it took us to do 40K. And I was like, wow. Um, but I do want to I want to hear about you first before we talk about our topic of the day, which I think wanted to be about really expectations, shifting expectations, and also self self-concept. So Carl Rogers coined this idea of uh, the self-concept, which is uh, your self-ideal, your self-image, and your and your um, uh, was it your self-esteem, and those three things make up your self-concept. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about that because 
today or this week has been a bit of a realization for me in terms of physical stuff which ties so closely into mental stuff and we and I always say like you can't talk about mental health without talking about physical health and this podcast is obviously not just about mindset or mental health it's about health longevity vitality we've talked about those buckets in the past spiritual health emotional health physical health it all all ties in right health is is not a it, it it it's, it's all those things combined if you want true help, right? With, exactly. So, so, so tell us about your weekend and your Staffordshire thing well, as well. I'll tell you what, mate, you went to Greece the, uh, on the literally the hottest weekend the UK has I had. Heard. I mean, I you didn't go to Greece for the weather because it was absolutely searing, roasting hot at the weekend. Now, I'm at well. I was, you know what? I'm glad you wanted to talk about goals today for a couple of things because A, it's, um, I didn't know and I should have known, and it shows how much we don't talk about it enough. And I'll get into our man in a minute, but it's Men's Mental Health Month, which I discovered today. Um, I thought, oh, well, let's talk about that. And then you said, well, I want to talk about goals and things like that. And I think it all kind of plays in. But I think also it, the fact I didn't know it was Men's Mental Health Month as a male who kind of operates in this space tells me that we're still not talking about it anywhere near enough. So I thought that might be something to talk about. But also because, for me, that linked quite closely to my experience of Ironman. So Ironman 70.3 Stafford, went with a, a really good friend of mine called Neil Adamson, who absolutely smashed it as well, did really, really well. I've been coaching him towards the full, which he does in, in Vichy in, in August. Um, and I was really anxious because I haven't been doing the training. I've had lots of stuff going on. Actually, my own mental health has been um, challenged, shall we say, over the last few months with things going on in my personal life, which I know you know about, and then I see going to bring it up in today's show, but there are things going on, which is been quite challenging for me my dad being one of those i've brought up on the show before i've been obviously got terminal cancer um, and i've got teenagers and you know all the things that come with parenting and trying to manage uh, a job where today i'm in a hotel i'm away from my family again today trying to manage training where my own goals which are to do well at ironman 70.3 and i really wanted this year to focus on 70.3 distance for me because i got to the world champs last year having not trained for that distance so i thought this year you know what let's see how well i can go but the reality is all the pressures of work, family, my dad and the else, I haven't actually trained at all like I wanted to. So I was coming to this race, having signed up for it a year ago, thinking it was going to be a race I'd absolutely do really well at. I did well last year, but I'd do even better this year to see what I could do if I really trained for that distance. But I haven't done the training. Then I picked up a hip injury, uh, which is having not run for four weeks. And for someone who, if you've listened to the previous episodes, you'll know I have a bit of a fear of water. Um, yeah. which I think pretty much stems from my mum telling me when I was a kid uh, that she had a recurring dream where I drowned in water and she's always very fearful of me being anywhere near water so every time I do an open water swim there's a little bit of um, childlike fear that comes into my mind right and I, I haven't I've done one swim in four weeks uh, to the distance so again I was like oh I'm quite anxious and I was with a friend of mine Neil he was you know he's like Nick you've got this you'll be fine anyway going right up to the race I was still anxious going into into the water but swimming absolutely fine so that was the first thing really happy you come out and you kind of have this I don't know it's done that kind of Mm. um it wasn't that bad after all moment you know and I can I can crack on now with the race and it put me in a really good mindset and yeah I did the bike which I hadn't trained for bearing mind last year I trained all season for a 180 kilometer ride and I ended up beating last year's time which really surprised me so I did um, 90 kilometers in two hours 28 which for those that listen to this might be into cycling that's averaging 36.4 kilometers an hour uh, for me that's fast that's the fourth fastest split in my age group um, and I was delighted but I came off the bike with no run training and a hip injury and the heat I think all those things combined meant I had a really bad run so I did a 147 half marathon and finished in five hours and 52 seconds 
I didn't break the five hour mark. Oh, you know what I should have done? That's that was actually just bad planning. I, I thought I'd started two minutes uh, later than I had. So I thought I was coming in one hour, one minute under. And then my wife went, no, no, you start two minutes early. You're going to come in one hour. Ah, that was just bad planning. But oh, you know what? It was hot, super hot. We had people spraying us with hose pipes. Um, you know, the hip injury definitely had an impact. But I think that was, I think that was more mental. Like, I think I could have run through the discomfort. But I was a mental thing of going, I don't want to make it worse. Yeah. Uh, the heat gave me a nice excuse not to push it too hard. I knew I wasn't going to beat last year's time. And I don't think I had the motivation, knowing I wasn't going to do what I set out to do at the start of the year, to push through the pain barrier to get a better result. So that was well, disappointing. Yeah. It's always disappointing when you finish. You look back and go, I could have done better. And now the pain subsided. You think I could have pushed it harder. In the moment, though, I chose not to. Um, I chose to safeguard what was a... Um, yeah, an injury, but it wasn't so excruciating. I had to stop, which makes me think maybe I could have pushed harder. I don't know, but it was well, a good race, and it was easy again. I mean, the thing is, this is where we differ so much in like how we train because I, I, I haven't done any races like since probably two thousand and seven. I did, I did triathlon, an early sprint triathlon, uh, not sprint, but the Olympic triathlon distance. I think two thousand five, six, and seven. And what I found, and this is kind of part of the reason why I stopped actually, as as I was going into six and 2006, 2007, I was doing less and less. So in 2005, I actually trained to do the Olympic triathlon thing distance. And then I didn't train in 2006. And I think I got better. And then 2007, I didn't train, but I just did a few events leading up to it and I got even better. And then I was like, well, because I don't have the motivation to train because I seem to be okay without it. Now, bearing in mind, I think I've just realized that was, I was probably 29 when I like, when I did that yeah. last. And these rides, I did a ride yesterday, which was, like I said, 40 kilometers on the road. And then I did a, uh, about 30 something kilometers on the mountain bike today. And my knee, actually, it was weird. First time it's been inflamed. So I, I, I felt my knee this morning. I can feel pockets of fluid in, in the knee. Yeah. I haven't felt since before I had the surgery when it was, when the, when the meniscus was still in there. Now they've removed part of the meniscus. It shouldn't inflame like that. And so I was dubious about the ride today. And I went to the ride. I thought it was just me and me and the guide that was doing it. And then a couple of other guys turned up and they, they looked pretty fit as well. So we actually went at some pace. Um, and normally it's an hour and a half ride they do to get to the place. And it was actually only an hour it took us. And then now back. And the, the hills were kind of brutal for me, actually. And, I, I, you know, you know you don't know this because you're always at the front on the hill. But, you know, when you see someone up the hill and they're just trained, you know, getting a little yeah, bit, yeah, yeah. a bit further away, and then, and then you tend to slow down a little bit as well because you're getting a bit disheartened and things. And I was thinking to myself as well, like we were talking episodes ago about what we think to ourselves when we're going in. This time, I was thinking to myself, "Oh gosh, right, these are the first two proper rides I've done. Mountain bike ride, probably first one since 2007, other than going around the local park on my mountain bike, but proper road, uh, mountain bike. And then the first road bike since 2017 when we did that." Um, yeah auto to build about so actually i haven't done a ride in my 40s at all and i'm like suddenly i feel that that gap and i'm not sure a lot of that's going to be psychological but i think oh i need to actually do some training i was thinking i've resolved myself if we ever do our 10th cycle next year i'm gonna i'm gonna have to do some training or join a club or something i think, I think that's where the, this race has been quite valuable to me in, in various ways when you look at reflection right and whether you gently reflect on a coaching session about business or about you know our, our, our life or whatever i'm reflecting on the race as you often do and you, you think where you could you tend to naturally think about things you could have gone better and things you know injury being an example could i push a bit mm -hmm. harder 
But actually, it's made me reflect on a few different things. One is I've really surprised myself on the cycle. So how much is actually ingrained and inside you that you're able to maintain even without the training? So I think that was really good for me, kind of the emo- the, the memory piece, the muscle memory of being able to. Yeah. I've been staying on a Watt bike, so it's not like I haven't done anything. But I, I to, to beat last year's performance in that heat as well was was a really nice surprise. So that was a, that was a good thing. So I kind of still got it, kind of thing, whatever. But then last year, every race I did was under five hours. This one wasn't. And actually, as my wife said, you did really well. You haven't done the training. You've been injured. Don't worry about it. You, you actually have done really well. And pre-race, I said I'd have taken five ten to five twenty. That's fine with no training. Mm. But when you're fifty-two seconds short of going under, it's more yeah. more disappointing than being ten minutes over. I think but that's then, what you did last week, though. You said if you did if you did exactly. But this is a great example of where comparison takes your joy away. And I've talked about the comparison. I'm yeah. comparing the race now to what I did last year when I did a lot more training. And then it, I'm realizing so it's a positive thing because I'm realizing that that's taking my enjoyment out of my result because I'm trying to compare it to last year. But last year I was a different athlete. I've done more training. So I should really be delighted with the time I've got. And I think that's sinking in now. I'm, I'm happier now than I probably was at the moment. And that's slowly, I'm certainly starting to realise that actually I did really well for the level of training I've done. I am quite happy with that result. And there's a couple of things that's really easy to take for granted, right? So one is you talked about not training. Well, actually last year when I was in the water, very sadly um, and tragically, somebody died in the water. In front of me, I got held up in the. I didn't know see the guy going going under, but I was held up in the in the water as the lifeboat came out and tried to save the guy. Unfortunately, he died. So there was a chance of a tragedy in any race like that when you're out of your depth and you're doing long distance uh, events. There was a guy that died at Ironman Hamburg last week. So these things can happen. So hey, I've come through unscathed. I've come through without any further injury. I've come through without any accidents in searing heat. Finished the race in a time that was better than I thought I'd actually do, even though it was just shy of the five hour mark. Um, so I should be really happy about that. My cycling's impressed me, so I'm happy with that. Yeah. Came through with a friend of mine who I've been coaching, who absolutely blitzed it, and actually he did it on a very dodgy bike that really needed some service, which we realised in reflection. His um, handlebar stock had come loose, and he was cycling with a, a handlebar. Oh, I've had that. I've had that oh, before. Been doing that at thirty. You know, when you're averaging thirty-four, thirty-five kilometers an hour, and, and for the whole race across some yeah. interesting terrain, I thought, well, that he did really well. So low, and I had a whole chance to be away with my family um, in, and enjoy it. So there was loads to enjoy. And then yeah. linking all that to what you wanted to talk about, which were goals and how they have to change. Well, mm. actually, my goal was about to change. Um, I was going to go for an amazing time beating last year. That hasn't happened. And I'm okay with that. I had to change my goals because I changed my training. So I have to have different expectations. I'm not going to go to the Worlds this year. I possibly could have got a place because I came eighth. But that, that my goal was to qualify legitimately, which you have to, I think has to be top five. And then you roll down three places. I didn't do that. So that's okay. I'm I'm accepting of that. My goals have yeah. to change. Goals can change based on circumstance. And actually, if you'd asked me last week when we recorded last time, would I take five hours, 52 seconds? I'd have said absolutely on the level of training I've got. And that would have been an amazing result. So um, yeah. it's just interesting when you reflect on things, and actually I should be really happy. For me uh, as well, I, I, I think in my, you know, talking about expectations and them changing and, is that my expectation, and it has been probably for a long time, probably 10 years, it's it's all my training is not performance driven, it's it's longevity right. driven. So it's like and, and and then but part of me when I was cycling with these guys today who, you know, one was five years younger, one 10 years younger, another one 20 years younger. Um so yes, I'm a bit older than some of them, but you know the ego comes in a little bit and i'm like oh, you know i want to keep up i want to kind of beat them and yesterday i was i was cycling and they were older i think one was 50 something one was i think 
61 and only took up cycling three years ago and i was fine up the hills with these guys i mean it was it was fine but um it just got me thinking and this whole this whole trip actually is quite interesting because i'm pretty young here by comparison the others are all in their 60s 70s even 80s and they're actually pretty active right they're playing tennis although everyone's got the creaking it's funny because it's creaky knees very slow doubles games uh and so i don't i don't play tennis so i can play pretty well with playing tennis with them because i've never really played it before but is that the same I'm, as pickleball the, the, the racket no paddle paddle tennis is different from pickleball i think but i was playing both paddle paddle tennis which is kind of a cross between tennis and squash okay. like in the box um which is a little bit and, and smaller courts so way easier to get around and then also doubles tennis and i just felt like it's quite inspiring seeing people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, you, you know, move around and, and do things. But at the same time, I, I'm also thinking my expectations of performance have changed massively. And I just want to be able to be, you know, active like that yeah. in 60s, 70s, 80s. Uh, there's a guy actually here I had dinner with, 83 years old. He's blind, actually. He goes out on the sailing boat all the time. Amazing. Uh, gets around and stuff. Um, but, yeah, so that was one thing. But also where we... Well, I was talking about, I think it's Carl Rogers, who was the um, 20th century philosopher. Is it Carl Rogers uh, or psychotherapist? Um, in the in the same cohort, it was Sigmund Freud. And he came up with this, I think it was him, he came up with this thing called the self-concept, which is made up of three things. And actually, this all drives your beliefs and thoughts. And you, you always talk about uh, the thoughts and uh, living in the shadow of yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah, feelings living in the shadow of thoughts and things. Now, your self-concept is made up of three things, and that is your self-image, so that's how you see yourself, your self-ideal, how you would like to see yourself, and then your self-esteem, how you feel about yourself. And we have a different self-concept for every aspect of our life, even in different bits of the same activity. For example, you could have a self-concept about what it's like to um, swing a golf club off the tee, and then a different self-concept about putting, right? How you see yourself in that situation. Sure. And for me, I've always seen myself as quite fit, quite active. And, and then I'm starting to, you know, the last few years in particular, since the injuries, feel that I'm not moving in the same way as I think in my head. I remember one time, actually, this is a, a funny example uh, about self, self-ideal self versus self, um, self-image. Uh, when I was doing my yoga teacher training, we had to videotape ourselves doing the, the routine and then send it in. Now, there's one move which you're probably familiar with, downward dog. Now, there's yeah, downward, I downward dog. But the only move I do know. Yeah, so downward dog where you're in an upside down V shape, yeah. like hands and feet on the floor. And then there's a three-legged version where you've got one leg up, right? Uh, so, you, you know, so one of your legs goes up towards the sky. And in my head, I see my leg going you know, straight up towards like the top of a corner of a room. And then when I videotape myself and I watch it down, it's like it's barely a foot off the ground, but it feels like it's all the way yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Like, so how I and, and actually it's good. I've got a, a positive self-image a lot of the time when we think or self self-ideal. I've, I've got that when I play football with my kids. So my Leo, who's never shown any interest in football whatsoever, probably because I put him off it because I'm so such a football fan. I think he just said daddy's always watching football, therefore I don't like the sport. But he's suddenly come back from school and goes, I want to be a footballer now. And he's suddenly into it. But he's not a natural footballer at this moment. I think everyone else has been into it longer than him. So he's catching yeah. up. So I was like, let's go play football. And I played a relatively good level of football as a kid, right? I played, I was religiously into my football, played for teams all the time, relatively good standard. And then um, 
in my head, I'm still as good as I was then, but I haven't kicked a football in about 10 years. I've got mm. a hernia in both groins, which basically stopped me from playing. I never got sorted out. It doesn't impact my running. doesn't impact my cycling, but it does impact me playing football. Yeah. So um, I went back with it. I think I could still do the Cruyff, you know, all the Cruyff turns and the double step overs. Nah, I literally fall yeah. over. I try and teach him how to strike a football and I end up ballooning it nowhere near where it's supposed to go. And I was like, this really? is not how it used to be. <laughs> in my head, I'm still as good as I was then. In reality, yeah, I think we're all like that. My friends are like that as well. And I'm like, and in my head, I'm still like that with sprinting. I'm like, I haven't sprinted since I was like 16 or something. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can still sprint really fast. But no, I don't even give it a go now. And I, I think like that comes to the idea of like shifting your 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 goals and your expectations. And I, and I think I've said before that my, my goal is to do effectively the uh, the OAP Olympics, which is not an actual Olympic event, but whereby I, I'm strong enough that I can put my luggage in the overhead locker, right, in the airplane. I can go up and down the stairs, no problem. I can get up from the floor, no problem. Um, and I want to be independent, especially like my, my parents have gone to Cyprus this last week and my dad is really quite immobile and I'm really proud that he's managed to get out there because they had to go two flights of stairs to get up to the uh, the things, uh, to the flat. And he's only, I think, going up and down once a day and he didn't the first couple of days and he has yet to go in the water. He's gone as far as the beach and I think my mum has put a chair in the water's edge and he sat there, but I don't know why he hasn't got all the way in. But I look at that and I love my dad for many, many reasons. And at the same time, I use some of the things that I really didn't like about his habits to inspire me. So he smoked for 40 years, which I think I mentioned before. Yeah, so did my dad. Actually. So, same with your dad, did you see? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I I can't even contemplate that, right? And he drunk, he stopped drinking quite a bit now, actually. But he he was drinking like a bottle of whiskey a week for up until he got into hospital recently. And then, and then it was for about two months and so i think he's back to wine but there's certain things like and he hasn't really ever exercised as long as i've ever known him and things like that and and so those things i i take as things i want to do the opposite of and and everything and for me i would love to to some degree do some activities like you do like do the races and that but at the same time it's not it's not a strong enough pool for me I think, to i think one thing that's really do. important though, right? and I, I realized this in the race itself and actually sadly i only really realized it in the last what probably 200 meters of the finish line right and to this moment but it, I, I saw leo who's my son he's nine years old and he was he'd, he'd moved down the crowd away from my wife and he saw me and he wanted to run alongside me there was mm. me a little bit miserable that i realized i wasn't gonna go under five hours i was in a bit of pain it was so hot i can't even tell you I and mean, anyone was out the weekend it was it was searingly hot running in those conditions after you know being out for five hours in the heat and then um you know, I was, I was in my in my own head of going, I haven't done the time, da, 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 you know, all the things. The thing about goals is you've got to be open to reevaluating and adjusting them. Like we, sometimes we get very fixated on achieving certain mm. things that so they become so much that we they become rigid. And actually, I knew well, well by that point, I always already knew I wasn't going to beat last year's time. I already knew I wasn't going to get to the world championships in the first top five place at this point. And I'd already reevaluated those goals in my mind. So seeing him run, actually, the, the bigger goal in all of this, because they're all self-centered things for me is she, but actually what I really want to be as a dad is inspirational to my kids. Mm-hmm. So seeing Leo in that moment for the last 200 yards, that brought the biggest smile back to my face that I had the whole race because he ran alongside me and that was just a little telltale sign. No word spoken, silly done through body language. Him running alongside me along the crowd and he was on the pavement because there's all barriered and running along behind all the people telling me, Daddy, I'm here, you know, watching. That's yeah. all the inspiration you need because... He's watched me, stayed in the searing heat himself, in the sun, just to see me at the end. And he wants to run alongside me and show that he can do it too. End of the race, he's already telling me he wants to do an Ironman. He wants to be do triathlons when he's older. 
that's yeah. the motivation that's way more intrinsic than actually me going to do, that's all self-centered stuff what i might achieve or going under five yeah, hours yeah. the much more important stuff is is the leo piece so that made when you were talking about that that certainly struck me as something that's really important and that's going to stand hopefully the test of time and that'll lead him now to having goals that he wants to be fit and and, and achieve more and run and play football whatever but in your in your example with your dad as well i think a lot of people and ourselves because we all suffer this sometimes but a fixed mindset can be really damaging we think we can't achieve something so that downward dog example people look at you doing that in a video and go well i could never do that but actually you can that's a fixed mindset of saying i can't do something but we can all adjust we can all learn and those that have a growth mindset those that are willing to adjust and learn and adapt and be flexible to what they believe they can or cannot do they're much more likely to to achieve the things that you want to do which is be able to pick that suitcase up put it in the overhead locker when you're 85 years old because you've got that mindset to want to learn adjust and and do what you need to do to make that happen you have to think about as well is is the juice worth the squeeze in the case because like for example the sailing the other day and, and even the windsurfing i'm like okay this is a new skill there's that kind of learning curve yeah that frustration and i'm like do I really want to invest in this? Do I really want to do it? And, and for the sailing, probably not, although I'm not sure I had the best boat and the, the best tuition with it all. And, and the, the, the blind guy was saying to me, I oh, know you shouldn't have run in that boat actually. And, and everything, it wasn't, it wasn't the best one for you. And so maybe another time I'll do that, but I was thinking, do I really want to spend my time learning to windsurf or learning to do this when I like doing other things as well? Like, there's only so, so many things you can do, but I guess it's also in your son's example, you, you and Leo's example, it's like, what is the overarching goal of, of anything that we're doing, right? It's for me, it's a, to be happy, healthy, live independently. It's not the goal, it's the why. So if the sailing, if the curve yeah. isn't worth it, if the why isn't strong enough to learn to do it, then yeah. you're not going to want exactly. to do it. And for, I mean, I, and I probably would do more of that if I was out with someone that I wanted to hang out with and they wanted to do it, then by all means I would do it. Yeah. If I'm going out there by myself, I'm like, I'm not really that bothered to do that. Same with the, the mountain biking today. Like um, one of the guys, there was four of us and uh, I was suffering a bit on the on the last hill. And the other guy who was with me, and he's a road cyclist, so fitness is all right. He likes his hills. Uh, he didn't like going down them, actually, but he was very slow going down. But uphill was fine. And he was edging off a little bit. And I said, oh, do you want to go off? You know, go off. And he's like, no, no, no. I mean, the whole point of him coming on this cycle with everyone else is because to hang out, right? So you, you chat on the way up the hill as well, which makes it even harder. But like the point of me going on these cycle trips is to hang out with people, not to best everyone and get paint it up the hill and be by yourself for like five minutes that's, that's not really worth it and i don't know your your own goal is to inspire leo or, or whatever yeah I, I think um with any if we're talking about goals today i mean two things come to mind there one is um you need to we need to be able to well the why is really important to anything right if you don't know why you're doing something it's unlikely we're going to want to do it but that doesn't ever mean it's too late i'll give a great example so my dad i talk about him a lot because i love him dearly and he's got terminal cancer and uh, i like to see the decisions he's making He's decided to learn the bass guitar. Mm. He's sadly probably never going to get to the level of being in a band or doing it or any of that stuff because of his illness. But he still hasn't, he still's always wanted to play. So for him, the why is strong enough to do it. So the first thing yeah, I yeah. say is regardless of age, and often we say we're too old, it's too late. It's never too late to learn anything if you have enough want to want to do it. Yeah. That's the first thing. And my dad is showing me that. He's teaching me that right now by wanting to play the bass guitar. Fantastic. He's just got himself some private lessons to try and learn to play something before a party at the end of August. Fab. Love that. Second thing is, I think we need to give ourselves more compassion to ourselves. 
really we're often we can be really compassionate people towards others but sometimes we're really hard on ourselves and I'm certainly one of those people who can be really hard on myself my wife will tell you that I'm you know I like to self-torture when I don't you know I beat myself up not doing certain things but actually we need to learn I certainly need to learn I'm, I'm vulnerable to this definitely which I need to be more compassionate you know beating myself up about doing an Ironman or whatever, arguably the why wasn't strong enough for me. That's why I didn't get the result I wanted. The why just wasn't there this year. Other yeah. things going on. So I had to reassess. The why should have been what it ended up being, which I only really realised in the last 200 metres of a five-hour race, was it was there to inspire my kids. That that why is strong enough for me to want to do it again. 100%. I've got another race in Vichy. Great. I've now got a reason, which I can focus on, of making sure they enjoy the experience. I enjoy it. I've got a why and a reason to be there. But I was questioning the why throughout. I mean... When you're, you're under circumstance of, of, you know, dehydration, it's really hot. There's lots of reasons you would question why on earth you're out there in that heat doing it, right? But I only need that one, one sight from my son and my daughter and my, and my wife watching me and cheering me on. That's enough for me to, yeah, that, that's that's what it's all about. It's all about family and, and inspiring them and, and, and being part of a supportive network, which I was in. So it's showing more compassion to each other and ourselves when, when it's difficult don't think we do that enough. We're re- typically, yeah. as humans, we're really hard on ourselves. We are. I mean, now, for me, so much of my identity is tied into my physical experience as well. And I, to tie this into mental health as well, uh, it's Mental Health Awareness Week for men. I, I remember just how, when I've been injured in the past, I, I, I become way more depressed, as it were, because my whole identity is around actually physically being able in some way which is interesting and so when i'm not it plays into who i feel i am as a person a lot of the time and i remember and i'm not sure where this comes back to i just remember years ago i think i was at school i was probably about 14 or 13 and i i've always had quite an athletic body and i've been i guess genetically blessed somewhat with a bit of a six-pack and i had that since i don't know 10 11 years old something like that and I remember people saying oh you know you've got a really good body and all that and I probably it's girls as well so it kind of ties into this thing and I'm like and I've maintained that throughout my 20s like I, like people say it doesn't count if you've got a six-pack in your teens or your 20s it's only when you get to 30 or 40 if you, if you can, can maintain it and so I've always been had that physical identity and mental identity wrapped up together and so when I kind of get to the point where I'm like, oh, I'm not as physically able as myself ideal says I can be caning up. Because also when we used to do our cycle trips, I'd come on those trips, no training. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of up there. I'm not at the top of the pack, but I'm up there with with the, so- the top half. But I don't do the training. And now I'm like, oh, suddenly something has to shift because my ideal and my image are not matching up. Question for you. You might know some research on this. And it's just it's just popped up into my mind as you're talking there about some of your goals in terms of physical health and i think i have the same one i don't know if there's any research or science that may relate to this and you may be able to tell me if there is or not um i'm not leaving here because i've got no idea whether there is or or not but whether this links back to the male um hunter gatherer element that we need to be physical we need to be the strong person in a partnership relationship in order to attract the the opposite partner whatever that might be and I don't know, because I think we've moved on from that, but somewhere innately it's there. And the reason I highlight that is I read some interesting stats um, in relation to food eating disorders. Right, I'm re- I've been reading some and um, listening to some interesting podcast stuff on it. And when it comes to, to, to boys or adolescents and teenagers, uh, males who struggle with things like bulimia or anorexia and those things like that, 
it's nearly always, I say nearly always, based on the things I've listened to, which is limited, certainly this week's kind of reading, it's because they want their six-pack abs. And I've even got my nine-year-old son going, Dad, I want to have a six-pack, right? So they end up stripping and they end up sweating and they end up doing gyms and weights oh, yeah. because of that six-pack ab thing. I just it popped into my head because you mentioned that exact phrase, six-pack yeah. I mean, men, we feel like we need to be physical and strong and therefore we put ourselves under this pressure. And we talk about mental health at the moment. Well, actually, suicide for men is, 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 a, is a huge, huge, huge killer. I think it's a leading cause of death in, in men 16 to 40. Yeah, yeah. I, I read some stats um, today because because it's obviously men's mental health week. But I can't remember what it works. Yeah. Massive, massive percentage. It is. It is. I mean, I think for me, it's less about... I guess because it's it's more about when I like let's say had a six pack I didn't realize it was a thing right so you, you but it's part of my uh identity I guess I I was I was watching the Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger Netflix documentary thing three episodes I think you quite like it actually it's worth a watch but he was talking I'm about always worried by your recommendations based on your film uh... <laughs> it, it's, interesting, it's interesting but right. he was talking about you know obviously he his whole uh, first career was all about body and bodybuilding and yeah he's like saying oh you know and you're getting older he's 75 now and he's like he's seen flappy things here and there and he's like oh I wonder if anything can be done about that and I think it's not more of a it's not a it's not a vanity thing as such as it is a a change thing that we're like an aging or a changing thing you don't and think I, it's a vanity thing no I don't think Men generally are to show vulnerability. We're, we're, there's a stigma about man, men crying still, about men being vulnerable. No, we, I don't think it's for me, it's a vanity thing. Not for you, well, are you talking about I for think, you personally think, or for men generally? Um, I'm not going to talk about men generally. Okay. But I, but I will say that for me, it's more of a, it's when you look at yourself in the reflection and, and you see something different than you've used to for like 40 years or 45 years, you you start, you're, you're, it's like you're shifting your identity as opposed to, Oh, it, it's for vanity. That I think. links to your concept yeah. piece earlier, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. So it, it, basically conflict, internal conflict happens when your self-ideal and your self-image um, don't really match up, when you've got an idea of how you want to behave or how you want to be uh, in like a certain race or whatever. So you had a self-ideal in that race of coming under five hours, your self-image um, self was actually five hours something. And so there was that conflict initially about that. Um, so I think for me, it's how do I see myself and what uh, and if I'm not seeing what I expect to be seeing, then there becomes a conflict. And I guess because I'm used to looking and feeling a certain way and I still see that in my head, a bit like your football example, where you might not have done something for 15, 20 years in your memory. You still see it. You being able to do that thing. And then when you can't do that thing, it, it throws into question about, OK, so what else? Who, how else am I different? How else do I not know myself or something like well, that? I'll I tell you something where I've changed. And I, you know, this isn't the first time either. And we talk about, well, I talk about men not being vulnerable enough, but vulnerability is also contagious. If we show vulnerability, others will be vulnerable. And actually, I did a race with a guy called Neil, who's equally accepting of being vulnerable like I am in this instance, because we both kind of had the same reaction, which I thought was really interesting. We're both parents. And whether that's got a part to play or not, I think it probably does. So... I've done lots of events playing football, for example, won a game, whatever. I've never cried at the end of a winning a football match as a kid or as an adult or whatever. But as a parent, even though this is what the third, seventh or eighth Ironman event I've done, having Leo run with me for the last 200 metres, I finished that race completely spent and then cried. And that's, you know, I don't mind saying I'm 42 years old. No real reason to cry, in inverted commas, except for the fact I think the why hit me like a ton of bricks as I saw him running. 
he didn't even see me. So it wasn't for anyone else but for me because you go into a finisher's tent and nobody knows you because they're all just doing their own thing. And I just cried. I just had a little... I just, I, it was just a well of... And obviously you're spent, so there's nothing... Like, I'm not, even me saying that sounds like I'm trying to justify... It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm listening to myself speak. I'm saying it was because I was spent... But I did. I just finished and cried. For whatever reason, tears came through and I was like... It just felt really emotional at the end of the race. And then maybe it was because I was fully spent physically. Maybe it was because Leo rushed and I found my why in the last 200 metres of the entire race. Maybe it was just because I'm glad I was out of the heat. I don't really know. I can't even give you the full reason. I just know it was overwhelming. I finished and just cried. But I don't know if I would have done years ago before I was a parent or before I'd got over myself to a certain degree. I don't think... I would have cried. I don't know if I'd have suppressed it either. I don't think it would have been such a natural reaction to it. And it, what I thought was really interesting is Neil finished. And how much I saw him, because I was already in the tent, he came in and he was almost in the same state. <laughs> he had a bit of a quiet. Yeah. And we spoke about it. I was like, God, I felt the same way. He's like, yeah, he goes, I always have a quiet end of the race. I was like, well, this is a guy who I look at going, he's a real manly guy, right? You know, he's, he's a strong, strong individual. And it's, that shouldn't mean, shouldn't, that shouldn't come even come into my mindset of me looking at him as being strong and therefore I shouldn't expect it. I mean, I, I remember tied in, but there's there's still a, a stigma or a physical. Yeah, no, I mean, I I, I felt like there was less of a stigma ever since Gaza's tears in 1990. <laughs> I remember I remember that as being the moment for me personally where I felt society accepted men crying in public was Gaza's tears in 1990. It was a certainly yes. Yeah, so I hadn't I hadn't actually made the connection, but certainly a um a stopping moment, right? There was that, and then there was also uh hugs so hugs between men it's it's i don't know whether it was friends maybe the tv series or i think it might have been earlier it might be miami vice or somewhere like that i think it was miami vice i remember watching some weird program about 80s shows and i never watched miami vice with don johnson in the 80s but i think they were very huggy and it gave permission for like straight guys to hug each other and and i've always been used to that with not actually my English mates so much but a lot of my other friends like Indian friends and Greek friends hugging hugging each other when we greet each other as opposed to handshakes or whatever I think it's less so now I think we we I hug everyone but I never thought that was weird I guess because also in Greek culture we're a little bit more hands-on than maybe English culture um but certainly I apparently it was 80s and 90s that that started to shift a little bit and it became okay for permission for men to be able to express emotions in certain ways and I think there's still to a certain degree a stigma around that because like we were, you were asking before about the research and everything else it, when you go into that tribal hunter-gatherer mode you do have to be as a man have certain responsibilities going out hunting protecting the the, the young the women and all of these traditional roles which are somewhat being um i guess questioned at the moment to some degree but there was that that idea and i think if you didn't fit in if you didn't perform your role then you could be ostracized by the group you could be yeah. uh, seen to be not adding value to the group and so i think as a man we feel innate somewhere that we have to be strong and protectors isn't that where the mental health issues arise when you try and suppress something you know, when you t- I appreciate you might get chucked out of the group now, and but in modern society where we don't have maybe such a, such pressure to be that. We're, we're, so, are you saying we suppress in our innate ability, our innate desire to be able to do that, or we suppress? I, I, I think that a lot of the mental health issues that men have is because we're trying to suppress how we truly feel. Like there's a fear that if you want to cry, cry, but we don't, so we hold it in. I think if you hold anything in, 
eventually it manifests itself in a way that we don't want it to and it builds it builds you know often if you go into let's say you have a you know, road rage issue or even a supermarket and someone just loses their shit right we've all seen it it's very rarely that particular moment that actually is the reason they've lost their their shit and gone and gone yeah. you know, male female are indifferent it's a build-up of loads of things that have happened and that's the the straw that's broke the camel's back and i think with men's mental health in particular, I say this as a man, I'm Lucy will say, my wife will say to me, I just hold things in, I build and build and build, and then it just goes. And well, I think I, I don't know why we do that. I, I, I'm, you know, we know that it's just not healthy. We need to something that's quite relevant to network and be able to talk about stuff. And you know, we know that one of the best cures for mental health issues is the ability to talk openly about stuff and be without fear of judgment. This is what I wanted to say. So uh, on my cycle ride yesterday, we, we stop off somewhere. And, and in Greece, there's a big guffaneal culture, right? Cafe culture. And you might have seen it if you've come to Greece, where all the old men, basically, they spend all day sitting in these cafes, drinking coffee and and chatting and smoking. And I was saying, that is their therapy. That is their their connection, right? And I don't know how, into how much detail they go and they, they chat around things, but that's where they go, typically. Like, the women have their own thing that they do and and they talk and they get things off now i think because society now is so isolated where we are effectively depend if you have a romantic partner uh, you depend on them for everything to be your 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 the the parent of your children your lover your best friend your confident your therapist and everything and actually we used to have different roles so the place we are in now island of lesbos is lots of little villages a lot of the time and these villages sometimes they just they, they know each other they're hanging out every day and they're they're going through their troubles and they're talking through their troubles and they're generally very fit we met this 85 year old guy yesterday and he was walking up and down these hills he's never left the island he's been there his whole life since since the, the war or something and they have this community and they do talk to each other and it might not necessarily be to the level that we're talking about now in terms of deep darkest sure vulnerability but because they i don't know if it ever gets to that point because they're constantly going to be chatting they may be coming in and say oh you never well, get this idiot just you know what i don't know if you remember or, you, or my you, wife said this or whatever you know you, so. you help me with something and um you know if, if, if i can give a if anyone's listening to this clearly if you're men or if you're going through a situation doesn't matter if you're male or not actually it, it's an irrelevance in this example because and i'll bring it back to my dad because obviously a very prevalent thing in my mind i think about him all the time and he's you know he's he's dealing with this illness I didn't want to have any, you know, regrets of anything being unsaid. And actually, I don't know if you remember, because it was a few weeks ago now, I told you about what I planned to do. I may have even mentioned it on the podcast, I can't remember. But you gave me a list of questions that you can ask anyone. Oh, yes, I did. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. You, 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 I'll let yeah. you refer to what those questions come from, because they come from someone else. But I said to you, I don't want to leave anything unsaid. And I want to go and just have... My dad is a, a you know, farmer by trade, and I remember him being this strong-as-an-ox guy who was you know, constantly fencing or dealing with calving and a big cat, whatever, you know, strong, very manual, very hands-on, very practical guy. And always the common sense in the family that if I need to ask someone for guidance, he'd be the one I'd go to and he'd give me that, you know, practical man advice in, in that instance. Right? So, but actually that wasn't what I wanted. I wanted to go and see him. We bought a bottle of whiskey. He, his favourite drink is scotch. So I bought a bottle of scotch. I invited my sister, so I didn't make it a manly thing. You know, so my sister come and joined us. And, um, I, you, I asked you because we had a conversation separately. You gave me a list of about 30 questions of things to ask. Yeah. And I said to my dad, I'm going to come down. Right, It's going to be you, me, and my sister's going to join. And I'm going to ask you some questions. Some are going to be challenging. Some are not going to be. We're going to drink the entire bottle of whiskey. All right, And we're going to get drunk. And we're going to get emotional. And I'm going to tell you now, in advance, 
I'm going to cry like a baby because <laughs> I'm going to talk to my dad about some stuff that's really going to be close to home. And it started as a bit of fun. Really. My mum joined as well. So actually all four of us were there, my mum, my dad, my sister and me. Um, and we drank the entire bowl. I probably drank the most, I'll be honest. We did. <laughs> we started with lots of laughter. We used your questions, which were great. We didn't use all of end up going through all of them. It was a great platform to start the conversation. Yeah. And we just reminisced. We reminisced and I found out stuff. So some of the questions were like, you know, Dad, what was your best memory as a child growing up with your, your parents? Stuff I never knew before. You know, what was your first girlfriend before you met my All that kind of stuff. We had all those questions. And by the end of it, like my dad isn't someone that typically cries either, although Scotch can get the uh, the tear, flow, tear, yeah. tear ducts moving. And they did. And we all had a really good cry. And it was really cathartic. Like the following day, my mum said, my dad had been quite low. He's like, oh my God, my dad's energy today, even though he's hungover, was really good. You really lightened it. He's got, had a really good conversation. And I feel like now, God, heaven forbid anything happens. But I feel like now we've had that evening. Yeah. Like we got everything out. We had a good chat. We talked about stuff that really matters. And it was great to have a cry in front of my sister. And yet I feel like in our family, sometimes I'm the guy that has to be the has to be in inverted commas the strong one. They often rely on me for different bits and pieces. And that's fine. I don't mind playing that role. But actually didn't in this particular instance, I was just just being vulnerable and open and it was most I don't know, cathartic. I don't yeah. know if that's the right word, but a really yeah, lovely totally. experience. And you, I mean, you really helped me with that because you gave me the question. Often, we don't often talk to our parents about real things or find out real things about them because you know we grew up with them we're teenagers or whatever and we're always annoyed with our parents or embarrassed with our parents and we don't oh they're trying to get us to do something so we don't actually sit down and have these deep conversations and when I did mine with my dad I think it was about must have been at least four or five years ago because we did it in Cyprus and they haven't been to Cyprus for four or five years and I videotaped it I still need to do the same same conversation with my mum but I've got it videotaped and I sent it to my sisters and stuff and it was just a nice way of getting to know them and also i think you're you we are uh, some of the questions are like you know what's the advice you would give and you name one of the siblings or whatever and it's just kind of nice and they like brings them back to being youthful and and their memory goes back to being younger as well and there's a different energy about them so yeah the questions i think i I got from a guy called brendan bouchard who i think um asked his dad before he his dad passed away those questions and i I'd always meant to to ask my dad that as well. So that's you, why you gave me some good advice because I was reluctant at first. I don't know if you remember, Harry, because I didn't want it to be like a final thing. But if I do yeah. this, I'm always promoting the inevitable. And you're like, Nick, if you don't do it and the final thing happens, you'll live there with the regret of not doing it. And yeah. that made total sense. And we've done it. And it, you know, that, that I'm really glad that we have. But even from a mental health perspective, from my own mental health, worrying about all the unsaid things and the unthing, you know, you don't want to lose someone and not know something that was really important mm. to them. Yeah. I feel like for my own mental health, it was really I hope it was really good for my dad's as well, because he got to experience that with me and my sister and my mum. And, and it was a really com- you know, safe space to do so. And I think actually when you're showing vulnerability, you, you do need a, a psychologically safe space to do that. So it's really important we under- we were able to identify who are who our people are who our community are that can give us that support and actually that's the same even if you're going back to the goals conversation you've got a goal you want to achieve it's really i would say i would always recommend identifying who that support network is to help you achieve that goal who's going to be there through thick and thin if you are hit with an injury or or whatever it is your goal that's going to you know knock you off path they can guide you back or help you or comfort you so i think they're, they're relevant in both examples but mm. it was yeah you just said and actually for for you typically you're more procrastinating than i am not as that's probably an unfair word for you. You like to plan. I like to go, go, go. 
in this instance, it was you saying, Nick, go, 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 and me going, oh, it just feels a bit like final. And, and I did do it, and I'm so glad that I did. Um, yeah. yeah. I think that's, yeah, it's, it's a nice story for people to hear. And I think a lot of time as, as men, the, the problem is we don't talk enough about real stuff sometimes i think and i think that can be like we were saying if that builds up within you who knows what will happen i mean one of my friends we talked about the leading cause of death being suicide between 16 and 24 um a friend of actually mine and joe's and so he was slightly closer with joe than than me but i'd known him since i was six years old seven years old yeah he tragically uh well he, he died uh when he, when we were all 27 and we later found out a few days later from his parents that it was a, a suspected i guess suicide he was found i think it was hanging but I'm, we're not 100 sure whether it was a prank gone wrong or okay. whether it's genuine suicide but i remember his parents um because well, I, we, I found out on the friday and then they invited us around on the monday and then they told us what happened on the monday but i remember them saying make sure you talk to people talk about something and I actually didn't heed their advice that often because there, there have been times in the last sort of 15 years, 16 years since that happened, that, or actually maybe 18 years since that happened, 2005, I think it happened, um, that I felt kind of like pretty low. And then I, and I still didn't feel comfortable, like necessarily opening up and talking about it. And I'm not sure if that's because I wasn't comfortable talking about it or whether it's because there wasn't anything definitive to say it was just like this feeling if that makes sense as opposed to it does oh, oh i don't know i've lost my job and this is happening yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like it's like I, i'd be talking and talking for an hour with that person and still not really be able to articulate now i've got no. other friends who i know who've been very like down and depressed and they, they could probably resonate but they you know i've got a similar experience it, it links to what you were talking about in the last episode you know where we talk about I'll call it a sixth sense now, but the idea where we can feel things mm. in our gut or, or that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that second brain, and it's no, you know, it's, it's really hard to explain it. So, um, tragically, I've also been in a situation where um, a, a, a female friend of mine, and actually, probably, maybe, I can't think of many other examples, but one of the only times I probably, at that until that moment in my life, when I'd have been 19 years oldish, where I'd cried openly in public without any you know, alcoholic or, or any kind of, it was just a natural tears streaming you know just come naturally in a public setting and that was when and it was the sixth sense thing will come in and I, I i cannot explain it it was a tragic event a really close friend of mine at university was was i was with her at the time and her dad turned up at university unexpected now i don't know what had gone in on in the in that moment beforehand but she took one look at him and she immediately fell to mm. her knees and just broke down and the energy Nothing had been spoken at that point. She wasn't expecting to see him, but she mm. knew what had happened before he said a single word. Mm. And the moment, the energy, I, my friend Matt was there as well. Both of us were in tears and we didn't know why either. We could just, we were just sensing the energy. Turned mm. out, tragically, that her mum had committed suicide and he was mm. there to tell her. Mm. And when he came close and gave her the news, I, it's really, she already knew. Mm. He was already on her knees devastated and yet he hadn't actually officially given her the news at that point and we were there as bystanders equally in tears before we knew the news because we were just with in the reaction of what she had had we knew it was something really tragic and i can't explain it i, I can't and i would argue potentially it was probably what the first little um valve turning in me 
that when you've fired once in public like that, it just gets a little bit easier the next time. And, a little yeah. bit, and each time the valve gets slightly more turned because there's no judgment or, you know, it, it wasn't about me in that moment. But it, I, I remember then after that, uh, that's probably my first real memory of crying in pub a public setting where I had no control. It just came and I wasn't, there was no, no words were spoken. It was inappropriate to, well, no one knew what to say, to be honest, except yeah. comfort. But yeah, I, I, I'm just linking it to what you were saying where it's, you know, you, there's that energy, emotionality yeah. that I can't explain what it was. And we know, and we're connected, we know, and, and you just sense it. I mean, I, I find myself, I, I don't know if I cry a huge amount in public, but I do cry quite often when I'm, when I really feel emotionally invested in, say I'm watching something and I, and it relates to something that might be going on in my life. And it might not even be a particularly serious problem. I remember the first time this happened, actually, it was really ran random. I was on a bus in Australia, traveling from Sydney to Brisbane or something like that. And I haven't still to this day watched this entire movie, but it's called Stepmom, I think, with Julia Roberts, maybe, and someone else, Susan Sarandon. And I've no idea what aspect of it. I think it's because I've been away from home as well for like a year by that stage. And it was to do with mums and things like that. But I just started bawling out on the back of this bus for some reason. And I still have never watched this entire movie. And I only watched about 10 minutes of it there. But I, I sometimes get, I'm quite empathetic a lot of the time. Or I can connect with the emotional feelings of other spaces and feeling uh, people around me sometimes. And, and and then I started, and I cry quite often with, with just these random things. And it just reminds me of, I'm a big fan of Friends, the, movie, the TV show Friends. And there's an episode where it says, Charlie can't cry. And he discovers, the team discovers, or the group discovers he can't cry. But then once he does cry, he's oh. suddenly, he, he suddenly crying at a TV commercial or this yeah. and the other. And that sounds know, like me, I will cry every month about something. Like I'll be watching something and I'll, and I'll feel connected in some way, shape or form with what's going on and, and, and have a tear. Well, in my we, we flew to Denver, obviously, recently, because we talked about it on the show. And uh, we went to Denver. And I haven't told you this story, but it's true. So we had... Um, two guys flew with two friends abu and tom and they were just they pretty much just slept the whole way through and i was in the middle of an aisle so obviously to, uh, middle of a, a, a set of three seats so me and i can't get out and i've two people either side are kind of half falling asleep and i decided to watch movies and i watched the movie sun so it's a relatively new movie um with uh, hugh jackman i have not that's seen right it. and the, the child's got suicidal um mm. thoughts and, and and i won't i won't ruin the movie but it's it's if you're a parent it's quite and I was in the middle of this aisle, in genuinely in first. And I had two people next to me, like, not really know what's going on. Because they're kind of half asleep, waking up, not really yeah. checking what movie I'm on. And I'm just in the middle, and I've got tears. They are streaming. Oh, the woman comes over, and I'm like, it's fine. I'm okay. I'm just watching a movie. But honestly, they're absolutely streaming. And Tom and Moo at the end, uh, sorry, Abu, we call him Moo, said at the end, you, you're all right. And I was like, yeah, I like, I'm fine. I've just been watching a movie. I've just been in bits watching a movie. But no one knows. So anyone looking from a little bit further ahead in the plane, it's like, what on earth is going on? Yeah. Justin, I'm I've just had that on. I think I had that with the movie. I think it was like 13. God, the recent one that was on a plane, I think it was last last year. And it was the one about the Thai cave rescue. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, the 13 book. And it was one of the, um, I think it was the Amazon one, because there's been a few. And I was in tears on that one, on the on the plane, because, you know, they, they went and they saved the, the boys and all this and the other. And it was just emotional. But I, I have seen... The adverts or something for Sun, and I thought, oh yeah, that would probably get me. So definitely, I, I, definitely a I, I, I stayed away from it for now. I think I think the thing to be to be mindful of though, um, in terms of men's mental health, talking as I can only talk from my perspective in this particular situation, it's not actually just about crying. That's one aspect of it. It's about no. showing vulnerability, but it's also about being able. You talked about 
and it's the most salient point actually probably of this whole podcast where we've got to make sure we talk to people talk about stuff get it off don't let it manifest we know from uh, you'll certainly know from your your health background as well that if we don't talk it manifests in the body in many different ways inflammation illness loads of different things will happen in terms of the chemical process in our body if we if we hold on to emotions and we don't talk about things that are bothering us and it can impact our mental health right we can change the energy balances in our brain that that make us think really bad things or 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 negative things, whatever it might be that can impact us. And I'll go right back to, okay, it's, ex- it's an executive coaching metaphor by Michael Neal, the lamppost metaphor, which I've talked about before. I, I love this, which is if you just talk to a lamppost for 30 minutes a day, we'd all feel better. Imagine the power of coaching if you talk to somebody else. Now, it doesn't have to be a coach. That's the point. If you're building stuff up, start by going out on a walk and talking to a tree. It doesn't matter whether it just talk out loud. I guarantee if you're struggling, it will sound different to the voice in your head. That's the first thing. Once you've got that bit out of the way, try and think of someone or identify someone in your supportive network who isn't going to judge you and talk to them. And you'll be amazed at how it can just drop the shoulders. It can help so much. You'd be amazed as well how many people are out there to support. But if you haven't, if you feel like you're listening to this and you haven't got a support network at all, then go and talk to a tree. Just talk out loud. Just just get out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one of the first people when I went for a difficult breakup a number of years ago, um, I actually remember I took um, took a train down to Brighton, and my sister was surprised because she was like, "Oh, what are you doing down here?" All of a sudden, I didn't tell her, but I took um, my niece out for a walk. Now she was like six months old. And I spent the whole time talking to her about the whole thing. Uh, she definitely sensed something because she came back pretty distraught and miserable after, my, after the conversation. I'm not sure you're supposed to be sharing that bit. No, like, what happened there? And she's only like six months old. That's uh, a sense of energy, right? That's got to be an energy transfer there. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because I talked about those 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 um, those heart fields. And so she's sensing that heart field. But... It, I felt much better, and I actually came back, um, and and it did change it change a lot of things. When I uh, I was still with that girl at the time, but we were just going through that uh, patch at the time, and it changed things. Just and again, I wasn't looking for response from my niece, although obviously I'm getting a response because she's there just saying, "Just I enjoy living living the moment," right? Which it, well, she's not clearly saying that, but because she can't verbalize anything for her a child it's just it is what it is they're just hearing hearing your voice um and i wasn't getting any advice from her but i still felt better for letting it out now for some people that might not necessarily be verbalizing like journaling can actually be just as good and i used to journal a lot uh especially as a teenager i still have my journals to this day and i've i've journaled all through my 20s and 30s and 40s not every day or every week or every month but i might go six months or two three four years without journaling you're but, a big believer in the power of gratitude diaries aren't you as well you know the idea well, that, that i've been doing yeah, 12 years. yeah i've been doing that for 12 years um every morning and night and we do our i think i've told you that we do the family one um yeah, you have, yeah which i really recommend if you've got a family whatsapp group anyone listening this is what we do is we just write down three things that we're grateful for every night uh, i'm going to do mine as soon as i get off the off the call with you and we've been doing that now. We started as a 30-day trial, and we've been doing it now. I think we're on day 1,700 around there. So wow. It's a long time. Amazing. Three or four years, whatever that works out to be. And so every every evening around 8, 9 o'clock, we see the, the trickle of things come through. Um, and talking about being close to your family um, with the questions that you're asking, this has really made us quite close because every day you, you're having communication. 
And we often talk about things we're grateful for that day. So we get to find out what that person did, but yeah. it's not necessarily nice. about what we're grateful for that day. It's a subtle way of learning about the other, isn't it, as well? Yeah. And I, I, I just recommend it. Like, if you've got a family WhatsApp group, or if you haven't, like, get your brothers, sisters, like, everyone in there, um, whoever wants to. And we don't, like, not everyone in my family is doing it. Like, my dad doesn't really like phones and thumbs and swiping and all that. Um, so not everyone in the family is doing it, but so I'm not forcing people to do it, but they're still seeing it. And sometimes yeah. they, they opt in and sometimes they don't. Um, that's okay. That's the thing. As soon as it's for, that's what makes it, you know, it doesn't have to, if it's forced, it does it. It's not quite the same, is it? So that's the, yeah. And that's a real a moment you're probably really grateful for, to be honest. If your dad puts something in there, that's a chance you really go, I'm grateful my dad's today's has found, you know, motivation to put something in the group. And that's quite a nice thing to celebrate. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I just can't recommend it enough. I really can't. Um, I think just... it's, um, we sometimes forget, right? We get so, so stuck in, in comparison. And we talk about it a lot because it, it has such an influence on the world, you know, social media, comparison with family, comparison with friends, comparison with others. We're all born the same. Uh, you know, in theory, we're all born, we, we layer the comparative stuff on. Like we can be, we have the power to choose whoever we want to be, all right? And whoever you want to be, you can go and be that thing. Don't let anyone else tell you you can't be. Don't let, you know, as you talked about the goal bit earlier, if you want to learn, if, if you want to have a growth mindset, like learn, try, try new things. Don't be afraid of failure. You talked about in podcast seven or eight, fail, which is a first attempt in learning. You know, all of these things, like we, 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 we think we're not successful because we're often comparing ourselves to what other people might be doing or with focusing on failures being a negative thing not a learning experience oh it's necessary actually we all have the power people leave you know leave the show again with the idea of doing a, a whatsapp group with your family great advice i'm just talking to a tree or talking out loud and and understanding we all have the power to choose to be whoever we want to be i think that's that's that yeah. can help uh, i hope i'm sure it does i mean that's it um and we can be flexible and we can change things as well and we're not going we are going to evolve as well that's the the idea with the identity is that we're going to have our self ideal and self image will evolve over time. Sure. And and, and sometimes sticking to the old way is the worst the worst thing, right? Because life is full of evolution. Well, right. let's be honest. We're not the same people we were. When we met each other, Harry. That's for sure. No, we see the world very differently to what I did then, right? That was yeah. I mean, that's it. I was saying to someone today because uh, I was talking about this podcast and I was talking about um, you guys, a couple of the cyclists, and I say um, and I was saying how um you know we we probably had more spirited debates uh, 12 15 years ago than now because i think you know you're you're reading somewhat similar books and somewhat similar path and and so what you're actually saying is now the mix come out to my way of thinking we have less is that what you're saying no, i'm joking i'm joking no i, I and <laughs> the thing is my thinking will change again um in the future and and also like talking with goals um there's always like you can have the goal but flexibility with the way you achieve the goal but talking about flexibility so tonight and i'll leave it with uh, maybe we'll leave it on this one but i'll, I'll leave it with you because you'll be happy to hear so i've been pretty good all week it's there's uh all this food here because there's breakfast and dinner included in this resort and there isn't a huge amount that i can eat because there's not a huge amount of gluten-free vegan stuff going although there's a bit and I haven't had any desserts because the desserts have all been gluten, dairy, whatever. And I'm here and I'm at the uh, the table tonight chatting to this 83-year-old blind guy who I've been chatting with most most days over dinner because most of the other guys are in couples and families and whatever else. And I take him, so he takes my arm and I lead him to the, the dessert place and 
I, I'm describing all the desserts to him and I'm loading up and he, he did like six different desserts. This dude is like, he likes his dessert. So, and I go back to the table and I've got my hot water and I'm just drinking my hot water as my dessert. And he's there and he's gone through his jelly, which I'm not a fan of anyway. He's gone through something else, some banoffee pie and whatever else. And then he comes to the eclair and he's like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to eat that because I might save it for later. And I was like, you should try that. It looks really good. And I was like, you know what? Sod it, right? I'm going to go and get one. And and I got myself an eclair, gave me it, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going back to my room after this, so it doesn't really matter if it upsets me or anything like that. Because I was like, I haven't had any desserts here. I'm paying all this money, and all I'm having is the salad and some shit. Hot water. And, and hot water and lentils and whatever else they give me. And so I was like, right, sorry, I'm having this eclair. And actually, yeah, it was yeah. a... I love that about you though you're not so rigid like when you want to do something you'll just do it and you'll make that that choice it's like it's a it's a, it's it's a choice. choice and and I was mindfully aware that potentially I might need the loo or have an upset stomach but all I knew but I knew that all I was going to do was come back to this room and well, I'm weak because I'm also in a hotel room where they have a full fire breakfast here which is not good for my training uh targets now for Vichy coming up the next time and there's me with all this inspiration I'm going to do the next time and I got my why and this morning, full fire up, done. Uh, it's there. It's been paid for. I can't say no. Uh, I've got better. my blender here in hand. I brought my powders. I, I, I'm conscious of time. One thing I, was, yes. I just it came to mind about breakfast. I have to mention it because I I challenge anyone listening to this. It's a bit of fun. We'll finish a bit of fun. We've gone a bit deep on 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 a few bits. Someone said to me, Nick. So you've tried? Have you ever tried orange juice? I'm like, yeah, I've tried orange juice. He says, right. Can you describe the taste of orange juice to someone? who's never tried it and you can't the person who hasn't tried it will never ever ever know what it tastes like no matter how much i tried to describe it and i just thought that was really a really interesting concept now obviously it's not just unique to orange juice but unless you've tried it it's one of those things that you just can't just thought i like that it linked to breakfast and i thought yeah, I'll bring it up. there's a challenge anyone listening can't describe to someone what things to have well you have to experience things to have to gain a wisdom about them um which actually is i think i mentioned it before the saying that i've got never try never know the actual direct i think i mentioned it in one of the previous podcasts the thing i got in malaysia for the tattoo that i was going to put which says never try never know never try. Uh, i don't know if you have mentioned it but i like that oh, oh well that was i think i thought i had but like it was a it was the tattoo i was looking for and i never got a tattoo in the end but the phrase i was looking for was never try never know but actually the direct translation was Without having experienced an event, one cannot gain wisdom. And so it's that. Which actually, maybe for another show, all links to consciousness, which is something that's still baffling science to this day, because we can't quite get to grips with whether other things that's even have consciousness. We don't quite know it yet. We don't know how to explain it or define it. We can try and do it through mathematical and, and physiological and studies and all these things. But actually, there's still no definitive answer as to whether a tree has or does not have, as an example, a consciousness. And until it, we can't disprove it yet, which I think is for another day but anyway for another day we could talk for years on that one we can so, all right but listen uh, i'll let you go and enjoy the rest of your it's quite late for you isn't it so i'll let you go it's and, uh, 11, and if i'm going to do a ride tomorrow if my knee holds up i should be heading to bed uh very very stuff. listen enjoy the rest of greece uh really good to catch up and um, you've missed some great weather here in the uk but uh you sounds like here is thunderstorms coming though so that would be good <laughs> yes yeah, always when you go away i always want everyone else to have thunderstorms at home i can't help it i'm just a bad person but i want sun where i am and thunderstorms everywhere else I'm like yeah. good stuff listen buddy i'll look forward to seeing you next week but have a have a great finish to your holiday all right take care Nick. take care everyone cheers man take care 
Thank you for tuning in to the Mindful Past podcast with Nick Day and Harry Kalimnios. We hope you found our discussion insightful and gained valuable takeaways to support you on your journey. Please, please, please do leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform and share an episode that's resonated with you with a friend or a family member who you think may also find it valuable. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to ensure you never miss a future episode. In the meantime, we'll continue exploring mindful path topics to provide you with more insights and ideas to support your personal growth. For now, thank you for your support and we look forward to bringing you the next episode of the Mindful Path Podcast real soon.